Uh, to introduce uh, this topic that, that I'm going to talk about, um, at my home congregation in Pearland, we have three elders, uh, Brother Robert Wilson, uh, my father-in-law, David Dees, and Bevard Keel. Uh, Brother Bevard Keel has been there a long time, from the beginning, and uh, nowadays he's kind of a shut-in and not able to make uh, services. He's, he's uh, getting a lot older, and he has a, a kind of a retirement home that he stays in, and, and we visit him from time to time. But, but Brother, Bre Brother Bevard had a great influence upon our congregation and upon me, and one of my memories of, of Brother Bevard, I probably won't ever forget it, um, but as he got a little bit older, um, in his prayers, he kind of repeated some of the same things uh, in every prayer that he, he gave as he got older. And there was a certain verse that he quoted, and it seemed like every prayer, usually the closing prayer, he would quote this verse from the book of Malachi. And, and I'll never forget it because I can remember his voice and and I'm not going to try and imitate his voice, but you, you can imagine kind of an older gentleman, kind of a, a southern drawl perhaps, and, and he's uh, speaking this prayer eloquently and uh, pronouncing each word uh, uh, very you know, eloquently. And he would always quote this verse, it seemed, and I'll never forget it. And he would say, let us remember to be like the people that Malachi speaks of. In Malachi 3 and verse 16, and he would quote this verse and say, Then they that feared the Lord spake often to one another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. And so he would quote this verse, uh, praying to God that we would be like these people who spoke often one to another about the Lord, about God. They feared the Lord and spoke often to one another. So my sermon this afternoon is about speaking often to one another, the value of Christian fellowship, of being together, speaking together about God, about the Lord, learning together, fellowshipping together, and encouraging one another to remain faithful to God, the value of Christian fellowship. Uh, to give a little bit of background to what's going on in Malachi, I like timelines, so I like to put things on on timelines. So here's a timeline of from the beginning of creation through the patriarchal age. I uh, put Ruth on there, what we talked about this morning, about 1200 BC. Uh, around 600, 605 BC, the, the uh, southern two kingdoms um, of the Jews were taken captive by the, the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar came in and, and uh, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and took a lot of the Jews captive and took them in waves. Um, to a faraway land in Babylon, far east to this land of Babylon. And so they were in this place of exile for about 70 years, and then they were allowed to return from exile with this edict from uh, uh, King Cyrus around 539 B.C. So they returned back to Jerusalem, began rebuilding the city of Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, and Malachi wrote about 100 years after that. Uh, while, while they were rebuilding the temple, they were not doing it properly it seemed like they didn't learn their lesson from the exile for the reason they were sent to exile, because they turned away from God. Yet when they returned from exile, they still really hadn't changed their ways. Many of them had not. They were not uh, offering sacrifices the right way. They were not building the temple in a timely fashion. They were not um, uh, learning their lesson from before. 
and they were not uh, acting the ways that they should. So a lot of the book of Malachi is, a, is kind of an argument between uh, those that were not acting the right way and between God and, and how God was angry at those that were not uh, remaining faithful to him or, or living faithful to him, not giving them their best, and they had a lot of issues. But then in Malachi chapter 3, it talks about a small group of people who spoke often to one another and that feared the Lord. And this small remnant that did speak often to one another, that did fear the Lord, it says that they were written down in the book of remembrance before him, uh, for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So we want to be like the people, like that small group of people who feared the Lord and spake often to one another. That's what we want to be like, and we want to follow that model. And if we do so, God will write us down in the book of remembrance, that a book of, of life, and we um, will be blessed by that. So I want to talk to you about speaking often one to another. There are two things I want to look at, the need for collaborative learning and the need for personal encouragement. Uh, it took me uh, a little while to come up with this phrase, phraseology, uh, collaborative learning, but I think it fits, and, and uh, what I mean by that is learning outside of the public worship assembly. So learning together, getting together, studying God's Word, talking to each other about God's Word, asking questions to one another, coming to the elders with questions about the Word of God, just learning together, being good examples together, learning by example, uh, showing others how to live a godly life. That's what I mean by collaborative learning. So not just in the public worship assembly, but outside of the public assembly, collaborative learning together. Um, so I want to look at collaborative learning first. And uh, the first thing I want to look at is family learning, the importance of learning as a family, as a family unit. Um, I don't know if you know these people. I think most of you do. Um, this is a family, I think, that are a great example of teaching their children and learning together as a family. And I know there's a lot of examples here, a lot of different examples I could have chosen from, but I think, you know, I, I found this picture, I thought it was a great picture, and thought it kind of showed the love of a family. You know, as a family, we have a responsibility to learn and to grow together, and uh, as I'm venturing into parenthood, I have a responsibility to teach my child the ways of the Lord and to bring her up to be a godly young woman. That's my responsibility. So I'm kind of talking to myself right now, the importance of family learning. Family learning was always important. From the very beginning, it was very important that a family would learn together. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, here Moses is speaking as he's uh, kind of giving a last speech before he dies last speech before they enter into the land, uh, the promised land. And he, he gets up and he makes this speech. He retells the law. And at the beginning here, he says this, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. They shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So Moses, as he's about to give the commandments of God, he says, I want you to listen to me. You need to teach this to your family. Teach this to your children. Diligently teach this to your children. And do it all the time. 
Do it when you're sitting in your house, when you're walking by the way, when you're lying down, when you're, you're rising up. Do it all the time. You need to do this daily. All the time, it's important that you teach these commandments to your children. It was very important for them to do that and to put it everywhere to make sure their family were instilled with the Word of God. And it's so important to Moses, he repeats it again in Deuteronomy 11, in verse 19, he says, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking with them when thou sittest in thine house, when you walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. It was very important to Moses and to God that they teach these commandments in their family and to their children, because that would be the future, and that would ground them, that would teach them the ways of God, and they would be blessed by it, their children would be blessed, and that word would continue on through those families. So family learning has always been important. It's always been God's plan that we teach our children and that we learn to go, uh, uh, together as a family, that learning begin in the family. You know, it's not just enough that we learn in the public worship assembly. We can't just come to church uh, Sundays and Wednesdays and think that we're going to get everything we need uh, to learn about God's Word. If we truly want to grow, if we want that instilled in our hearts and in the hearts of our children, we need to be teaching our children diligently, all the time, daily, teaching our children, teaching our family about the Word of God, spending time in God's Word, learning together, praying together, singing together, whatever it may be, taking time to, to spiritually teach our children and, and uh, have spiritual time with our family. And that's always been important. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, we use this verse quite often. If you look at these words, nurture and admonition, nurture is training or discipline. Admonition is warning or instruction. So as a father, it is my responsibility to bring up my child in the training or discipline or admonition, warning or instruction of the Lord. And so that's my responsibility to do that. And that takes time. That takes intentional effort to train them, to teach them uh, the Word of God and to show them how they should live. Ephesians 5, verse 31, so you go back one chapter, it talks about the husband and wife. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. So it's not just teaching our children. It's also something I think is, is vitally important between a man and his wife, a husband and wife, I think it's important that they both spend time together in the scriptures, that they learn together, they talk to each other about God's word, about their roles in the family, their roles in the church, their future outlook. You know, it's important that we be one flesh, that we be one unit. And that's not just a, a physical thing, that's a spiritual thing. We need to be one in our marriages, one spiritual unit to have the same spiritual outlook and we need to spend time together spiritually um, dwelling upon God's Word and talking about spiritual things. I believe that's very important. Acts 18, verse 24 through 26 gives an example of a great spiritual team. And this is Aquila and Priscilla. And you can read about this couple, this married couple, uh, throughout the New Testament, Aquila and Priscilla. We see an example here of, of how they were a team. It says... Uh, there was a certain man named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, who came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. 
And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So there's this man uh, named Apollos, who's eloquent in the scripture, uh, but he doesn't quite uh, have the full doctrine. He doesn't have the doctrine of the baptism of Christ. So he's teaching an outdated doctrine about the baptism of John. And so he's teaching this false doctrine. It wasn't true. It wasn't up to date. And he's going around teaching this. And Aquila and Priscilla hear this doctrine. And they hear this man and they take him aside. Together, they expound to him more perfectly the way of God. So this team, this married team, take this man and they both teach him the word of God more perfectly. And so that's an example of a married team teaching others as one unit. And so as a family, I think it's very important that we learn together and grow together and that we're intentionally taking time on a daily basis to, t- uh, to talk about God, to spend time in God's word, and to learn and grow as a family. Uh, related to that is group learning. So this can fall under the umbrella of collaborative learning. So that means uh, not just within our family, but with our spiritual family, with other Christians, learning together in groups, could be one-on-one or, or, or private Bible studies, whatever it may be. Uh, but group learning, Acts 17, verse 11 says, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. So these uh, Bereans were noble in that they uh, received the word with readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily to make sure what was being taught was true to the scriptures. So they looked in the Old Testament scriptures, they heard this doctrine that was being taught, and they would search those scriptures to make sure that this was true doctrine, that it, it made sense with the scriptures. And it doesn't really say they did this as a group, but I, I can't imagine that each one of these Bereans would go home individually on a daily basis and search the scriptures completely in a silo by themselves and not speak to each other about what they were studying. I imagine there was a lot of collaborative learning going on. They were speaking to one another. They were getting ideas, asking questions, looking in the scripture, searching daily, diligently, and I'm sure speaking to one another to learn, to make sure they had the right doctrine. And we need to do that as Christians. I think it's very important. I learn a lot of things uh, by asking someone else, what do you think about this? Because I have in my mind what I think about it, and then I hear something which I never would have thought of, and, and sometimes I think, oh, no, you're wrong, but, but, uh, but that's not right. I need to have the right heart and, and listen to what they had to say. And, and a lot of times, they're right, and they have more wisdom. And so I think it's important that we do that, that we learn from one another, because we can hear different perspectives about Scripture, and we can perhaps be corrected when we're wrong. And so it's important that we learn and grow together. Proverbs 27, verse 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. So uh, the example here is, is iron or any type of a, a metal working. You would take it, take it and you would sharpen it and by rubbing it on another a piece of iron or metal. And so as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. We can sharpen one another. We can learn and grow together. Um, I really enjoy debates. Um, That's something that Laura found out about me early on in our relationship. Uh, She didn't know that, 
but uh, we were talking about something about the church and um, some kind of a you know controversial subject, and she brought it up. I started arguing with her about it, and uh, she didn't understand why I was doing that. She started to get a little bit upset about about me arguing with her about a certain topic, and uh, uh, eventually I told her, well, I don't really believe what I was arguing. I just, I just like to debate. You know, I like to take the other side, uh, and that's just something I like to do. Um, maybe you're not that way. Whatever it is, however you like to, to talk about the Scripture, I think it's important that we do that and that we learn together and that we ask each other questions because we can sharpen each other in that way. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. You know, if we try and and figure everything out on our own, oftentimes we're not going to be able to do it. We'll come up with something wrong. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So it's important that we find counselors, that we talk to someone else about um, scriptural things, about our spiritual life, about what step we should take, what decision we should make. Because in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And and, uh, we want to choose good counselors, counselors uh, within the church that would guide us to give us the counsel of God, Um, but it's important, I believe, to talk to one another and ask advice from the spiritually wise um, Christians. Titus 2, verses 3 through 5, Uh, here we have an example of of teaching within a congregation um, in a more private setting, perhaps. Uh, Paul here is writing to Titus to, to set things in order within the churches at Crete, and he starts talking about how There are different roles within the church. The elders have certain roles, the aged men, the young men. Then he he, uh, talks about the aged women here. He says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So Paul here tells Titus that you need to tell the older women of these congregations to teach the younger women. And I think that's important, that we have older women teaching younger women how to be godly women. And same thing with older men bringing up younger men to be leaders and to be good godly men. That should be happening within a congregation. Um, There's a young woman at, at my home congregation I want to... Uh, kind of brag on her. Her name is Anna Holden. She's the daughter of Curtis Holden. And something that's really impressive uh, to me about her is, is after services, when everyone's going around and mingling and, and talking, I'll see her and she'll go around and she'll try and speak to almost everyone. And it doesn't matter if it's someone her age or, or someone uh, that's elderly, she'll go up and give them a hug and ask them how they're doing. And, and she's really interested in their lives. And I think that's, that's a mature young lady who is, is going around and building bonds, building relationships, interested in other people who are not just her age. And I think that's a great example for me. Um, and so sometimes it's hard, though, to step outside of our, our comfort zone. Um, myself, I'm a little bit more introverted than, than extroverted. Um, and so for me growing up, it was my comfort zone was people my own age and and people younger than I, so I would generally hang around them and, and uh, build bonds with them. But I think it's important that we step outside of that 
and that we go and build bonds with people who perhaps are not our age, build bonds with people we haven't met before, uh, or people that we don't know as well, so that we can build those relationships and that we can learn and grow together. And so this is the example here that, that Paul gives Titus. He tells Titus to, to have the aged women teach the younger women how to be good godly women. And so we should build those bonds one with another and learn and grow from each other. And usually the, the more elderly people have a little bit more wisdom than, than the younger, and so we can learn a lot from them. And uh, they've kind of been through the things that we've been through. And so we can learn a lot from their wisdom. So it's important that we build those relationships. So I think there's a great need for collaborative learning and, and learning not just in the public setting, but building bonds and learning from one another uh, as the church. The, the next thing I want to look at is the need for personal encouragement. So we also need personal encouragement often. Uh, the first thing I want to look at is personal discouragement. So the opposite, and that's uh, gotten through corrupt associations. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 33, Paul says, Be not deceived, evil communications are associations corrupt good manners. So evil associations, evil influences will corrupt our good manners. And he tells us, be not deceived. Don't deceive yourself thinking that they won't. You know, sometimes we do that. Sometimes I've done that. I think, you know, I, I can hang out with these um, schoolmates of mine, and, you know, perhaps they, they're not the most godly people, and, and they don't live the way I do, but I can hang out with them for a while, and they're not going to influence me. I can influence them. I can be a good influence, and, and they're not going to affect me. But Paul says, do not deceive yourself in this. Be not deceived. These evil associations will corrupt good manners. They will rub off on you. They will influence you. And so we should not deceive ourselves thinking they won't affect me, that I won't be affected by it. I can be an influence on them. If we spend all of our time with evil associations, surrounding ourselves with people who are not God-fearing people, they will influence us in some way. And it's not just people, it's, it's any type of evil association. If we spend all of our time watching TV shows that promote ungodly behavior and that show ungodly behavior, it will rub off on us. It will influence us, and we don't need to deceive ourselves thinking it will have no effect, that we're strong enough and it will not affect us. So we need to be careful what we associate with, who we associate with, what we're involved with, because these influences will um, rub off on us in some way. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, Paul says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So again, he gives this warning, don't associate yourself, don't yoke yourself together with unbelievers, with people who, who do not care about God, with people who have no reverence for God, who are not God-fearing people, don't spend all of your time with these people and yoke yourself together with them and, and build strong relationships with them. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and communion, what communion hath light with darkness? Um, growing up, I didn't really understand the phrase, so I found a picture that might help. This is an example of, of two animals unequally yoked. So that yoke is, is the apparatus in between them. They're yoked together, they're bonded together, and they are unequally yoked. 
one animal is going to go this way, the stronger animal, and one animal is probably just going to stand there, you know, not, not cooperate with the other because they're unequally yoked. And that's what happens in our life if we try to build bonds with people who, who are not God-fearing people. It's an unequal yoking, and they're going to draw us the wrong way. We may have some influence on them, but they're going to influence us, and we're going to go in different directions, and they're going to pull us in that wrong direction. And so I think that's the analogy there. We need to be careful what we associate with, what we fill our minds with, our, our ears with, who we're um, spending our time with constantly so that we're not unequally yoked and being influenced in an evil way. So we need to be careful of personal discouragement, and we need to uh, realize that we need daily encouragement. And that comes, generally comes from the church and for, from our spiritual family. Acts 2, verse 42 and 46. So after Peter had spoken the, the first gospel sermon and, and 3,000 uh, souls were baptized, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So all these Jews that were baptized, the, these 3,000 Jews and all the disciples that were baptized on this day of Pentecost, when they were baptized, they all got together and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In breaking of bread, they shared meals together. They prayed together. They were constantly together. It says they continued daily with one accord in the temple, fellowshipping, learning, growing together. On a daily basis, they met. And so we can learn from this example is that we need daily encouragement. We need to be together constantly. We need to build these bonds with one another that last forever. And we need to constantly be going to one another and receiving that encouragement and that, that food, that spiritual food that comes from fellowshipping with other Christians and that encouragement that encourages us to stay on the right path. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25, the writer here says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. So we use this oftentimes for the assembly, the, the public worship assembly, and I think we can use it that way. But I think also the general idea is that we need to be together. We don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We need to spend time together, and there's a reason for that. We need to be exhorting one another, encouraging one another, uplifting one another to stay faithful to God. Hebrews 3, verse 13, the writer says, But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. So again, the idea of this being a daily thing. So we need to build these bonds together. We need to speak often one to another, encourage one another on a daily basis so that, we can, uh, so that we're not hardened to the deceitfulness of sin. Um, Laura and I have been on many cruises together. We were talking about cruises earlier uh, during lunch. And I debated whether to use this um, example because I don't, I don't want to discourage anyone. I know, I know there are those planning a cruise for next year and, and some for the first time. And so I don't want to discourage you on that. That's not my point in this. Laura and I have been on many cruises, and we enjoy them. There's a lot of good things to do on a cruise. Uh, but on the last one that we went on, it was just 
ourselves, and um, we had a good time, really enjoyed it. But you know, there's, there's certain things on a cruise, there's, there's certain people um, that really are not God-fearing. There's, there's a lot you could do on a cruise that is not really a Christian thing to do. And you know, there's a lot of drinking, um, there's uh, some gambling going on. Uh, you know, they build these ships with the, the casinos right in the middle. So you kind of had to pass through the casino to get to the other side. Um, so, you know, if, if you're not a God-fearing person, there's a lot of things you could do that's not really godly. And so uh, we stayed away from all that, and we had a great time. So I want to encourage you, they're, they're really good vacations. Uh, you can do a lot of good things and, and have a good time. But in some ways, it was a little bit refreshing to come off the boat because you're kind of surrounded by all these people a lot of people who, who all they wanted to do was party or, or do things, you know, that, that are not really Christian things to do. And that's kind of the way the world is, whether you go to public school or you go to the workplace. Generally, there's a lot of people there who are not God-fearing, and so they live a different lifestyle, and, and uh, they kind of do things that, that a Christian shouldn't do. And so it's kind of refreshing to get away from that and to come to the house of God. It's refreshing to get out of the world and to associate with people who have the same mindset, people who fear God and will encourage us. And so we had a great vacation. You know, it was a, it was a great time on the cruise, but, but in some ways it's kind of refreshing to, to get off of the boat and to come back to worship God. And we got back on a Sunday. We were able to drive in and, and worship God um, uh, at church on that Sunday. And so that was a refreshing thing to see people who have the same mindset, who truly fear God. And that's, that's um, a good thing to, to have that in our life, that we can go to a place of refuge, and that is within the hearts of one another and, and uh, fellowshipping with people of like mind. And so we need to take advantage of that, take advantage of, of these bonds that we have in Christ, of the relationships we have in Christ, exhort one another daily, find encouragement in one another band together, bind together, and um, encourage each other to stay faithful. James 5, verse 16, James says, Confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual firm prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I've talked a lot about encouraging one another and, and fellowshipping together, but I think it's also important that we um, share with one another, one another our weaknesses and our sins. James says, confess your faults one to another, pray one for another that you may be healed. You know, I, I think it's important that we, we uh, spend a lot of time together and that we fellowship together and we have good times together, but it's not just about having good times together. I think it's also important that we open up to one another and we seek each other uh, when we need help, that we share not only the good times, not only rejoice with those rejoicing, but weep with those that are weeping, that we're there for each other in times of need. James here says we need to be willing to confess our faults one to another. And so it's not just about um, getting together all the time and having a good time and finding entertaining things to do, but it's about truly opening up to one another, opening up our hearts to one another, and being able to share the good things and the bad things. You know, I think one of the most dangerous things as, as a Christian 
is, is hidden sin. You know, someone who will hide their sin from someone else. And I've seen many examples of people who have hidden their sin and they've put on this front and this, this kind of mask and they, they'll go to church and, and uh, you know, they appear righteous, but, but in their heart there's something wrong. There's something sinful in their life. And, you know, I, I can confess to you there are times that I've hidden things because I don't want people to know all of my sin, all of my weaknesses, and so I keep that aside, and I don't want to share that with everyone, and I don't want to share it with others. So sometimes I internalize it and say, oh, I, can, I can face this, I can go overcome this, and, and I, don't, I don't want to tell other people because, you know, then they'll know my weaknesses. And so sometimes we hide our sin, but I think that's a very dangerous thing, especially if it's something that we're struggling with, something we can't overcome. I think it's very important that we don't hide that and internalize it, but that we open up to one another, that we admit that we're all sinners and we need help, and we need the help of others. We need the encouragement, the prayers of others. The example here is about tearing down fences. We have these fences in our lives, and I think we need to tear those fences down and let other people in. Um, in our first house, we had a fence kind of like this. Uh, it would come to the front uh, there on the side. And uh, part of my responsibility uh, uh, between me and Laura, uh, she kind of took care of the inside, and I would take care of the outside. That was, that was partly my responsibility. So part of that responsibility was to mow the yard. And uh, I can tell you I wasn't the best at fulfilling that responsibility, um, but I did take some effort into it. And, uh, but sometimes I would get really busy and, and time would get away from me and uh, it was time to mow the yard. And so I would get out and, and because I was really busy, I would just mow the front yard. And so I mowed the front yard and it made it look nice and uh, kind of neglected the backyard. And sometimes it got really crazy and really bad and, and you wouldn't want to see my backyard because I wasn't taking care of that. But, you know, I had this fence there, so no one could see the backyard. And, and the front yard looked nice, and so people driving by, it looked okay. Um, and so I would just mow the front yard instead of taking care of what's behind it. You know, sometimes we're that way spiritually. We build these fences, and, and from you know, the outside point of view, from the front point of view, we look good. We put on this mask and, and everything looks good with our life and we look righteous. We look like we're living a good life and everything's okay and we, we want to present ourselves that way, right? We don't want to present ourselves as someone weak or sinful, so we, we put on this mask of righteousness that everything's okay when really everything's not okay. And really, if you look in our backyard behind the fence, there's problems. There's uh, weeds in the backyard and it's, sometimes it's really ugly in our backyard. I believe God has told us we need to tear down those fences. If there's something in our life that we're struggling with, some weakness or sin in our backyard that's not being taken care of, we need to seek help. We don't need to hide it from others. We don't need to act prideful in any way. We need to realize we're all sinners. We've all been there. We've all struggled with sin, and we need to seek the help from others. First of all, we need to let God in. We need to not uh, lie to God, be honest with God, let Him in and seek His help. But it's very important, I think, to seek the help of others. Confess our faults one to another so that we can all pray together and encourage one another and get those weeds out of our life. Get that sin 
and that ugliness out of our yard so that we are living righteous and living a presentable life to God. So I think the value, uh, our Christian fellowship is very valuable. I think there's a great need for collaborative learning, not just within the public uh, worship assembly, but learning together as a family and in, in group settings, one-on-one -on -one settings. And I think it's also, uh, there's a great need for personal encouragement, that we need to be encouraging, exhorting one another daily, involved in each other's lives, truly open and honest with one another, not just the good things, but the bad things. Let each other know when we're struggling and build those bonds so we can grow together and present ourselves uh, collectively uh, uh, in a pleasing way to God. So let's take action to do that. Last thing I want to notice in Malachi 3 and verse 16, these group of people at the time of Malachi, it says, they feared the Lord, spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. So you see, when these people were speaking often to one another, when they were fearing the Lord and speaking about the Lord and speaking to each other, they weren't just speaking to one another, they were also speaking to God. God hearkened, God heard it. And when we speak to each other about God, about spiritual things, and we're focused spiritually on God, God's in the midst of that conversation. God is there. He's in the midst of those relationships, our relationships. God hears it when we're speaking often to one another. And we will be written in that book of remembrance if we follow that example. So uh, I want to encourage you this afternoon to keep doing what you're doing. I saw a list of all these activities that y'all have going on of, of fellowship and learning and, and studies and, and uh, getting together, all those activities. I want to encourage you, perhaps you're not one to go to all those activities. I want to encourage you to be involved, be involved in those things. Uh, build relationships with your fellow Christians. Perhaps there's someone here that you don't um, know as well as you should. Perhaps it's someone not in your age group that you um, need to get to know better. You can build those bonds, build those relationships, and learn a lot from people who have experienced things similar to you, even though you may not have known that. And so we need to build those bonds and, and step outside our comfort zones and, and uh, speak often one to another about the Lord.